Good morning, good morning. Here I am again, back for today's episode. And thank you for being here with me and listening. It's such an honor and a and enjoyable to be with all of you. And thank you for your letters and notes and emails. And I'm, I'm so thrilled to be sharing our episode and our podcast. And today's uh, topic is something I've had some requests to speak about, given what's going on right now. And um, I said yes. <laughs> by the way, um, by the way, this is the podcast of Zen Wisdom for Your Everyday Life. And yes, that kind of sums it up when you talk about Zen practice. Yes, it's a big yes to life. It's a big yes to a request. It's a big yes to one another. It's a yes to everything in a very deep way, which doesn't mean we don't say no to something that's not healthy or not not the correct thing for us, but it's a deep Willingness to explore life, to be with life, and to be with ourselves and one another. Anyway, let me get to the topic of the podcast for today, which is, Where is life? Where is death? It's quite a huge topic, and apparently these two very public, unfortunate, painful suicides that have taken place has stirred up a lot of emotion in many, many, many people. Uh, Understandably so, of course, of course. Any kind of act like that will leave in its trail a tremendous amount of pain, guilt, sorrow. What did we do wrong? How did we not help that person? How is it my fault if it's a suicide with somebody who's been close to us? And many celebrities, people feel quite close to as if they're almost a part of one's family. Um, Many people look up to celebrities as role models and admire them. My goodness, look at, they have everything. They're famous, they're wealthy, they've made it in quotes. They've reached a, a pinnacle and we watch them closely and many times try to emulate them. So of course... Of course, when there are two, these two in one week commit suicide, hang themselves. Not only is the shock very great, but the it stirs up a lot of questions within everybody who is aware of this. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness, we feel very, very sad for them. Many feel as if they've let the person down. Others are wondering... It stirs up their own sadness and sorrow with life itself, their own disappointment, their own despair. Maybe, unfortunately, it can be a green light for many people to do this themselves. They think, well, maybe this is the way to end my pain. Big mistake. It's not the way to end pain. In fact, it doesn't end your pain or anyone else's pain. The way to end pain is to understand what is pain, what is it, where is it coming from. We cannot, you know, the Buddha did say, this practice puts an end to suffering. That's a huge claim, of course, and many misunderstand it deeply. They think, well, I'm suffering so much. And I will never suffer again if I become so-called enlightened, and I say so-called. 
we, we do start to practice, and we have many different experiences along the way as we meditate regularly with some commitment, with some momentum. Yes, of course, we have many, many experiences along the way. Some of these can be called enlightenment, but all experiences pass. They have to. That's the nature of an experience, just the way it's the nature of life, just the way it's the nature of pain. It must pass. It changes. Everything changing, changing, changing. And that itself, of course, is one of the causes of the great fear or sorrow or despair, perhaps, that people, these two individuals, might have been going through, not being able to hold on to their good feelings, to their sense of self, of well-being. Everything changes. Everything passes. Very important point. To whom is this coming? These horrible, this pain that I, that cannot be endured. I guess that's a good way to put it for the people who did commit suicide. Pain or suffering that they feel cannot be endured. There's another way to end suffering, not through suicide or acts of harm to oneself or others. In fact, that only intensifies suffering for other people if somebody, as I said, commits suicide. And I'm not going to get into what happens to that individual because in Zen we don't really go there. And I'm not going to go there. I have my own views, but they're just my personal views. And my personal views don't really mean a thing. (laughs) They come and go too changing, changing. So one of the reasons I think that people feel so shocked and upset and maybe even betrayed is because they feel that the the rug has been pulled out from under them, not just by these people, but it's been pulled out. Wait a minute, I thought this was the way to live, to become famous, rich, to have much appraise from others and to be looked up to the way these people were. That's what I'm after too. Maybe I'm going in the wrong direction. Maybe that is not going to give me the fulfillment, the peace, the joy, the healing that's needed. Maybe that's really not going to take away my pain. Could be just a distraction from what's going on within. Could be a big distraction. And so... In the face of where is life, where is death, it's good to pause, deeply pause, and take a look at your life. What is life? <laughs> where does it come from? Who gave it to you? Can, you? can it ever end? Can life ever end? That's a big question in Zen. In Zen we have a circle, one big circle. And what is, what is death? That's another fabulously interesting question. In fact, some people say that all of Zen practice comes to address the question of what is life? What is death? Where is it? What is it? It's something we don't like to face. We, we kind of put our arms up and say, no, I don't want to talk about that. I'm having a great time today. Don't bring in something morbid or sad. But life and death are is not morbid or necessarily sad, not necessarily sad, not if we see it fully, and not if we actually live fully and see what life itself really is, what makes life worthwhile. 
That's a beautiful koan. What really makes life worthwhile? What is going to bring you that deeper sense of meaning and worthiness? That's a beautiful koan. Important, important to think about that. Many experiences can give pleasure for the moment or an excitement or give you what the heart of your life is. Is this experience kind of window dressing? It's an interesting thought, isn't it? Not to say not to have wonderful experiences. Of course, go travel here, travel there, eat this meal, eat that meal. It's all, it's enjoyable. But is that the heart of life? Is that what life truly is? It also seems to many that when someone dies, they're gone. It's done, finished. The most horrible thing that could happen. And it seems that when someone's walking around, talking, smiling, dressed up, they're alive. But maybe they're maybe not. It says in Zen, when you live fully, totally and completely, you cannot die. I will repeat that because it's so profound and so beautiful. When you actually truly do live fully, totally, and completely, you cannot die. Of course, we have to really know what that means to live fully, totally, and completely. It may include traveling all around, or it may include just staying in one place in a very deep, in a very present, in a very wise and full way. It doesn't look any one way on the outside. It doesn't look any one way. And it also says in Zen, another very beautiful instruction and a very beautiful teaching that they say, die on your cushion, or meaning die when you meditate. It says, when you actually die in this life while you're still alive, fully alive, you cannot die again. That's done. It's done. So what does it mean to really die? Does it mean to commit suicide and and try to end your pain in that way? No, not at all. To die in life means to let go deeply, deeply of all of that which is not you, that which you cling to, that is harmful, all the mistakes, all the delusions, all the grabbing on to things. It's to really let go of our whole false selves and become true and see, see very deeply who we really are and what life really is and what death really is. Actually, when we have this death, this it's called the great death. It's death as, it's really death to life as we know it. And then we're reborn, meaning we're still in the same body, but we, we come with a very new sense of ourselves and of what life truly is and of what we're here for. You know, sometimes when people have near-death experiences, they come back and they talk about this themselves. They have this same kind of experience. Also, a lot of the so-called pain that we go through, or rather the suffering we go through, does end when we are in that experience of letting go 
the great death, the great life, entering the true meaning of our life and living it and letting go, dying to that which is harmful and painful and false, basically false, basically a counterfeit life, a counterfeit happiness. For those who took their lives, sadly, this week, life and death were separate. And as, as I said before, they took their lives to end their suffering. But the way to end suffering is not like that. The way to end suffering is through looking at it, becoming one with it, facing it, meeting it bravely. And, and really, what, am, what are we really suffering from? It's from not living the full, true life. We're not suffering because we don't have a million dollars or the right girlfriend or boyfriend or the right car, or we haven't taken enough trips. That's not the suffering, and that's not the fulfillment. So in Zen practice, we stop, and we look a little deeper. We look a lot deeper. And for a little while, we stop running around so much so we can encounter truly the end to suffering. And of course, as we enter that state of living life fully to the hilt, and also living death fully to the hilt, because in life we see life and death, they're an ongoing dance. We breathe in, we breathe out. <laughs> we receive something, we give it away, we give it back. Um, there is, a, it's just a dance. It's like a wave, high tide and low tide. It's going on all the time. We listen and then we talk. <laughs> it's a process of taking in and breathing out, giving back. We begin to look at the cycles. The trees bloom and then they fade. The leaves fade. And when we enter that rhythm and we are one with it, it's not really death and life. It's a beautiful rhythm, a dance. And as I said, it's a new way of experiencing both gain and loss, a new way of experiencing happiness and sorrow, because sorrow is a natural part of the in-breath and the out-breath of high tide and low tide. But we know it's just part of a dance. It's coming and it's going. And we are able to be with everything that comes to us just as it is. I'm just giving another way of looking at this and thinking of it from the Zen point of view because that's what this podcast is. From the Zen point of view, that it's a practice also. I'm not saying, I'm not putting this forth as a formula. We take away all our formulas in Zen. It's not a formula, it's an individual experience and it comes from practicing meditation. It comes from taking in a new point of view, taking a look at our point of view and our resistance to living and our resistance to dying. And so this Zen practice has many aspects to it. And this podcast is one aspect, just putting forth another point of view, another way of looking 
at our life as we experience it, our everyday life. That's what I said. Let me give you a little bit of Zen wisdom, a Zen point of view, a Zen koan for your everyday life where we take life and we, 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 we eat it up ourselves. We experience it ourselves. We take it in. We digest it. And we don't necessarily accept all the views, all the judgments, and all the values that we've been thrust into. We explore it for ourselves to see the real question, what is life? And what is death? So take a moment and look at this deeply. When are you most fully alive? When are you full? Not of yourself, but of life. When are you full? And when is it as if you're dead, you're gone, you're breathing out? You know, another thing to look at is a sense of separation that we have when somebody dies. We feel, oh my God, there's such a pain of separation. They're gone, I'll never see them again. As if who they are is this body that they're in. But it's good to notice the moments when you felt really close to someone who was far away. You felt connected to them. You felt a stream of love maybe even between you and that person. You didn't feel they were really gone. They were with you. You were with them. Even though physically they might have been in another state or in another country. And of course there are moments when we're with somebody in the flesh and they there's no connection at all. So it's good to look at what keeps us close. Is it the body? Is it being physically present? So these are very good things to do so that you can maybe alter a bit your experience of separation and of what happens when somebody does leave physically. Not necessary to have big separation. Not necessary. Our Zen practice teaches us that. So, thank you to all of you. This is Brenda Shoshana. Um, the the website for the podcast is www.zenwisdomtoday.com. I would, if you like it, if you enjoy it, please share this with others. Please subscribe to it on iTunes or that with any of the other venues that it's on. You can find all of that information out on the website. Any questions, any comments, I'm delighted to hear from you. You can reach me at topspeaker at yahoo.com. And thank you for being here. Thank you for listening. I hope you have a really beautiful day today, a, a day filled with life, and also a day recognizing the moments of death, or so-called breathing in and breathing out, and to include all of it together. By the way, I, I have my, my latest Zen book is called Just Grab the Dust Rag, it's available on Amazon, and I'm working on a couple of new ones, which I'll be happy and excited to share with you very soon. So again, I'm going to go sign off for today, but I certainly hope Hi, to Paul, hear from you I soon. Oh, oh dear, look at this. Okay, this is better. Here is the harp, here is the harp playing. Sorry for that. <laughs>